Good morning, beautiful Cryptopians. This is Tyler West at the Cryptopian Lounge, where we discuss all the whys and the wherefores of crypto. Uh, it's one of been, it's been one of my favorite subjects for uh, many years now. Um, I've got a special guest on for us today. You've seen him before. Today we're discussing um, the power of crypto to equip you to become your own bank. The big promise of crypto is the democratization of capital. Uh, and in short, that means how to be your own bank. On today's podcast, we're going to explore some of the ways you can wash your hands of the dirty uh, fiat banking system and prepare to participate in the parallel economy that crypto offers to introduce us. Central banking institutions hate this. They've had a functional monopoly over the creation of money for hundreds of years, if not more. And uh, wars have been started over who has control of the monetary print printing press. Why would they love a bunch of radical upstarts to try to pry away this power from them? In uh, yesterday's news, and for the umpteenth time, China says that all crypto-related transactions are illegal now and must be banned. If you haven't seen this movie before, China has officially banned crypto currency, like I want to say twice a year for at least the six, last six years or so. Um, just a word to the wise, China, you can only ban something once. Afterwards, you're just admitting you couldn't. So does anyone really think China wants to sit out the revolution in decentralized payment architecture? That's not what their commercial investments show. That's not what their forays into crypto or their recent banking defaults demonstrate. But they, like all central banks, would love for you, the little men and women, to sit out a while longer so they can introduce their answer to free market crypto in the form of central bank digital currencies. To really understand crypto, you need to understand fiat. The value of the dollar is declining day by day, and the fiat sitting in your bank loses approximately 12% of its purchasing power every year. That's a conservative estimate right now. The reasons for this are numerous, but it goes something like this. Fiat, fiat isn't backed by anything valuable or useful. It's backed by the full faith and credit of the United States. It says they're right on your legal tender. What do you think happens when the faith and credit of the United States evaporates? Exactly. So does the value of the fiat. So they, meaning the Federal Reserve and other central banking institutions, can print as much fiat as they want, they mint currency on a whim with limited constraints, except those distortions created by their own system. The Federal Reserve's mission is 100% employment, not the welfare of our nation, meaning its actual mission is to capture you and to imprison you into their debt-based system. If you're aware of the other uh, mandate of the Federal Reserve, you'll see that it supports this mission elegantly. 
a fiat monetary system is based on the unsustainable notion of infinite growth in this age that we live in, which on a finite planet is really just a drive towards infinite debt and a permanent servitude to the banking monopolies. One of the, um, one of the greater promises of crypto um, within the rubric of being uh, your own bank is that crypto is functionally unbannable, except in the mind of its users. This is where you get a lot of the misinformation, disinformation, and hype about crypto in the media. Um, a lot of what you see going on there, a lot of what you see people like Elon Musk saying goes back to them manipulating your mind to um, stay out of crypto, sit this one out, and give the financial elites a head start on you. So here, I'm gonna bring in a special guest. He's gonna go into the reasons why, um, why, why and how you can start to act like your own bank using crypto and participate in this parallel economy that's being booted up and that has been being booted up for the past several years. Here's my friend and accomplice, Michael Scafidi. Hey, Hello. welcome on. How's it going? Good. Very good. Good. Very Enjoying nice. this beautiful Saturday? Yeah, it's gorgeous out. I mean, yeah. hopefully uh, the fires that are happening around Reading, uh, the, the winds don't blow in this direction here in the valley, but oh, yeah, wishful thinking. But for now, it's pretty nice. We had, we had a fire up here some weeks ago, close to where I'm located at the moment. And um, yeah, the skies were pretty dusky. Yeah. It's kind of the new norm. And mm -hmm. um, I'm also hearing about uh, lack of rain this, this winter and fall. So that can't be good for us. But no. back to crypto, it all is actually relative. <laughs> it is, yeah. As um, I think we might suss out some of those details in this conversation. Maybe. So, how does blockchain play a role in solving so many banking issues and even um, societal problems outside of banking? Yeah. So you really touched up on it um, in your intro there. Uh, basically, what it boils down to is what are the central banks? What are banks? They're they're really just a collective centralized location of trust where you and I will put our money, we put our, uh, our money, our hard earned money with them, they own, they own it, and then they loan it out to people in the form of uh, debt, issuing debt. Um, and the central bank is, uh, does the same thing, actually, they do the same thing now, but really, they control the, the printing press and the interest rates. And that's that's the difference between a central bank and a, and a typical traditional bank. So to answer your question, the word central is is key there. And so to uh, really what blockchain does, blockchain is inherently decentralized. There is no central location for Bitcoin. You could have, you know, Satoshi Nakamoto, um, allegedly owns uh, over a million coins himself. Uh, Michael Saylor has over 100,000 uh, with his group MicroStrategy. So yes, there's some concentrated places for Bitcoin, but overall the network as a whole is decentralized. They 
there is no central location that makes rules for it and can't corrupt it really is really what it boils down to uh, i mean even to some degree gold uh gold doesn't behave this way gold can be decentralized because you can't print it that's that's the part that makes it decentralized but what makes gold centralized is fort knox or uh you know any any big central bank that has a vault with a lot of it in it um so so that's kind of that's kind of how that nature if you understand that that is really what makes this such a liberating technology um you made a point about how there are still concentrations of bitcoin um so how is that different from say a central banking monetary system well you know there's a lot of theories that fort knox actually doesn't have anything in it <laughs> um, but the thing about Bitcoin is we actually see Satoshi's early addresses uh, because, you know, he was part of the first, he mined the first block. So we know those addresses and we know he's got a bunch of different wallets. Um, and then there are some that are hypothesized to be his. But everybody can go online and go onto the blockchain and see what's going on with that wallet. What kind of transactions is he doing? And we know that in over 10 years, he hasn't really touched it, which is a little bizarre, right? The guy is worth, he's one of the richest guys in the world and he hasn't even touched it. But there's, the transparency is there. Everybody could see what's going on. It's its not, I mean, there are some coins where, you know, you that, that are privacy coins, you can't see what's going on, but Bitcoin's not one of them. And so um, we know that there is X amount of coins in this wallet because we could see it we know that this there's activity that's going on with this wallet. Um, we think it belongs to Satoshi Nakamoto, so we know that that value is there. Uh, nobody, even if we don't know who Satoshi Nakamoto's real identity is, correct. We know where his address is because that's that's where the million plus coins were reserved. Exactly. When the blockchain, uh, when the when the Bitcoin blockchain started. Yeah. And another thing that he did, which was really interesting, besides staying anonymous, great idea, mm -hmm. um, was that he 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 published to um, the programming circles that he was going to start mining. So everybody had the same um, green light to start mining Bitcoin. Right. Yep. The same green light that he gave himself. Yep. He wasn't anybody special. He mined it the way you and I would do it in our laptop. Of course, things have changed and we probably don't want to go down the technical aspect of it now. But mining today on a laptop is not going to yield you very much Bitcoin at all um, than mining back in 2009 when he started it. So no, but he uh, but yes, he did it legitimately based on the program. And so. Uh, really, what it shows is that, um, you know, it's it's a fair game. It's a fair game for anybody. Whereas we know that fiat-based money system has never been fair. <laughs> it's, How can it be when somebody's got a monopoly on the printing press? Exactly. Yes, exactly. And so now that, that, that brings up another key feature of Bitcoin, which is important for people to understand who are trying to wrap their mind around crypto. Um, we live in a... Um, we live in an inflationary fiat system. 
that also happens to be debt-based because of the inflation there. So Bitcoin is not inflationary. Correct. It's deflationary. Yes. Basically, why is that? For, for, so there's a maximum of 21 million coins for anybody that doesn't know. And every four years, the amount of Bitcoin that you mine, it, it actually is cut in half. So, for example, there's a certain amount of Bitcoin that you can mine from the year 2009 all the way, I think, through 2011, where the first halving began, or maybe it's 2010. Um, so every four years, the halving cycle, uh, the network uh, rewards a certain amount of Bitcoin per day. I believe now it's... Uh, to miners. Yeah, to miners. Um, and, and every four years, it gets less and less. So you can imagine you keep going half and half and half. Right. right now we're at uh, almost 19 million coins. It's less than 19 million coins uh, that have been mined. But between now 2021 and the year 2140 is the is when the rest of that 2 million is going to be mined. Um, and and I think 21, uh, 2136 through 2140, there's only just a few Bitcoin in those four years that are going to be mined. I think what that means is that the lion's share of the rewards for mining went to those who built the network yes. first. And, yeah. um, and, and now that the network is built and self-sustainable, um, the rewards have been lessened proportionate to what's left out of the 21 million Bitcoins that will ever be issued. And that, and, and that explains why it's um, a deflationary money or store of value. Right. If you've got more and more people who want to hold a finite supply of something, well, it's simple supply and demand. That supply of whatever it is is gonna become more valuable. Yeah, and that's it. And, you know, you compare that to the, our fiat-based system, um, which really began when the Federal Reserve, uh, you know, was enacted over 100 years ago. And since then, we've had a massively inflationary um, expansion. Uh, and then, you know, then there was Bretton Woods, which made the U.S. dollar the world's reserve currency. Uh, then they took the dollar off of the gold standard in the 70s. And since then, it's just gone parabolic. Um, and, and, and there doesn't seem to be any stop to it. In fact, that's one of the things that I'm still trying to wrap my head around is that although I'm very much all in, in cryptocurrency, uh, you know, we, we, you have to be careful, anybody that's doing something like that, because Bitcoin is still very young. It was born in 2009. And if you look at the history, uh, we've had the most massive debt expansion following the 2008 crisis to where we are now. And we haven't really experienced a fiat-based deflationary cycle, or I should say blockchain and Bitcoin has not experienced that yet. And so I'm still sort of waiting to see um, how to play that, but I'm using that in the way I invest in crypto because we have stuff, you know, we have stable coins now. The stable coins don't go up and down in volatility. Yeah, they and I just wanna, um... It, it, it's not a huge deal, but I don't like to say investing in crypto because right. that that exposes you to all kinds of regulations that the um, you know the FTC and mm -hmm. and all of them wanna want to uh, eventually apply 
to those who those of us who are embracing crypto um you don't you don't want to invest in crypto unless you're day trading for for real uh you want to buy crypto and if it goes up or down in value that's not really any of your concern right yes yes and that is essentially what i do i i think i did do a little bit of trading some years ago and um, it was just not productive. It was so volatile. I think. Yeah, I, I was I was in I was in my uh, late twenties, and I started getting gray hairs. I was like, okay, no, this isn't this isn't, <laughs> this isn't what I want to do with my life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so since then, I've I've sort of evolved in my understanding, and I've, you're right. Uh, investing is not the best word. Um, it's really just like a new way of doing things, a new way of living and, and operating in this economy. And we're going to get into some practical steps that people can take to do that for themselves soon. Um, before we do that, I want to talk about another key feature of Bitcoin and most cryptos, uh, and that's privacy and the ability to transact anonymously. Because we're coming out of a system that can more or less keep track of all of your expenses. Whatever you buy, you know, it's on a bank record somewhere. Those bank record, you, you, you know, you know the, the wall between the banks and the federal government is, uh, it is, you know, perforated with all kinds of back doors and holes. So why would it be to the general consumer's advantage to be able to transact anonymously? Oh, wow. For m many reasons. Uh, one, you know, it's just personal freedom and autonomy. Um, but, you know, there, there's blockchain can provide that too. It could pro provide transparency and it could provide privacy. So, um, you know, for, for privacy, it's, it's so important for people to feel, you know, secure about the purchases that they make. They don't want to have to, um, you know, be subject to, uh, they, they, I mean, imagine, imagine you did something that you, you know, everybody does something they regret, especially when they're young. And imagine you have a record of that for the rest of your life, you know, or like somebody, you know, videotapes you doing something and it's very embarrassing. You have to live with that for the rest of your life. I mean, that's, I guess the world we live in. Um, but that's essentially what it's like too. I mean, you make a purchase that you're, that is then going to be on record for the rest of your life. It, it's, it really puts a dampening on personal freedom. And I, and in my opinion, it puts, it's, it's kind of goes against a lot of the principles. Um, so I, I think they're thinking things up a little bit, but on the flip side of that coin, there's, there's way that transparency can work so for example michael saylor i was actually watching a video if anybody doesn't that doesn't know michael saylor he's a billionaire he is a big time bitcoin bull uh he was talking about how he's got this twitter and, and people there are these bots that are responding to his tweets and he knows they're bots because he's reading them through he's like a oh, person wouldn't write that but then some people that are writing he's like wait are you a bot so he's like he was saying that blockchain could actually be used to verify your identity and so that we know that that's not a bot. No, that's actually a real person. Okay, I'm going to ignore all the bots and I'm going to talk to this guy. 
Or yeah. it could be used by Twitter to make sure that people have a verified account. So you are who you say you are, not just like some um, just just a bot that's trying to get your spam out there to make money or to do some phishing scams. Yeah. So there, there's two ways of doing things here, but um, we could we could have it in a way where it verifies a person's identity. But then what that person does, we could say, OK, let's give that person their privacy. And, and do it autonomously. I think it's hard for people to, I, I think um, I think the idea that blockchain can be used to verify your identity and at the same time keep your identity private is a hard, um, is, is a hard contrast for people to hold in their heads. And it's, um, there's a lot of technical reasons why both of those things can be true, but the but the point is there's no single point of failure in a decentralized economy. Whereas with a bank, you know, we have a mild run on the banks and suddenly people can't get cash out of the ATM. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the real world we live in. Uh, and really blockchain just blockchain technology really solves a lot of these problems. I mean, we could be here talking about that for hours from yeah. the way we vote, the way we um, even run the country. I mean, imagine, you know, you got, we have a centralized Congress, right? We got a group of people that you and I elect to on our behalf that make decisions for us. But imagine we have a blockchain where it's just like, okay, we have this problem. People, what do you want to do? Do you want to vote yay or do you want to vote nay on this? Uh, there there are certain issues with that too but there's a way that we can have a parallel economy where a senator you know says people uh, my my constituents in california what do you think about this i'm not going to care about my political party's preference what do you want and sometimes you know we change our opinions um, we're people and we could say well we want this let's give this a try he votes that way in congress so there's a lot of different um, ways that blockchain can really improve our current system. This just goes beyond cryptocurrency. So what are some of the signs that um, an alternative economy is needed? Well, I mean, we, I think what this pandemic has done, I, I'm talking, forget the pandemic for a second, but the pandemic economy, I think a lot of people have, uh, that, that don't understand the economy, they know something's wrong, right? I mean, we we uh, we see our economy, we see a lot of places closed down. We want to go out and buy something. A lot of places closed down, yet the stock market's at all-time highs, and it doesn't really make sense. And yeah, it's pretty much the only place where you can park your money now, is what they say, and this Federal Reserve will not allow it to go down because they're issuing debt billions of dollars Every month they're issuing debt. And then for the people that are about to default, they're buying up that debt. So they're, this is massively inflationary, massively inflationary. So people go to the store and they see, um, you know, an avocado, which cost 99 cents a couple uh, years ago is now selling for a buck 99. They, they know that wait, something just doesn't seem right. I mean, it's subtle, but I'm going to, I'm still going to buy that avocado because I want to eat it. But they're like, but that costs double. And a lot of people are not doing very well. So um, I think you're right. The pandemic has exposed some of the vulnerabilities of a centralized 
um, everything from centralized distribution systems, centralized um, um, like materials, you know, a, a lot of these, a lot of these materials that make their way into products, they come from only, you know, one of a couple spots in the world. Uh, look at Taiwan. Okay. We're, we have a shortage of wafers. We have a shortage of computer chips um, looming over us in the distance based on what happens at Taiwan, because they're one of the, you know, primary um, manufacturers of these wafers and chips. So we've got that looming over us. Um, we have seen that banks and payment processing companies can arbitrarily cut off people from transact transacting uh, with the takedown of certain people's PayPal accounts, um, even GoFundMe accounts get shut down, highly successful ones at that. So do we really want to be at the mercy of the um, banking institutions to live? I mean, that's cut it, not being able to receive payments basically makes you unable to live. Yeah, and that is one way of looking at it. I mean, we're still, the future is still going to need rules. And it's still going to need laws. We're still going to need police. We're still going to need firefighters. We're still going to need military. Um, but the way in which that, the, there, there's so many ways in which the, those processes, those people and those those professions are going to be directed. And, and blockchain really is, it, it, the decentralization can really help improve our system. You, you made some pretty good examples right there um, to describe how. And it really ultimately goes down to personal freedom and personal uh, autonomy, in my opinion. And, you know, we could see this fiat-based system. It's, it's collapsing before everybody's eyes. I mean, they, they don't see it directly. You don't even have to be an economist to understand it. But I think most people know something's wrong. And so the, the question becomes is, what, this is what I don't know. Are they going to allow deflation in the fiat system? Because we, because we got a glimpse of that in 2020 when it started happening, uh, when they started locking the economy down. But then they quickly, the Federal Reserve quickly came in and just started, you know, their printing press and just started buying up stocks for the first time and doing all these other things. And that lifted everything up. But at the same time, the economy sort of collapsed. Um, and I think we're kind of still in collapse, but they're really all they, they just figured out that all they have to do is just fudge the numbers. Um, but they're doing it with debt, with issue debt. That's money that we're going to have to pay back at some point. And everybody's sort of beginning to read between the lines that this debt is never going to be paid back. So what, what do we do from here? And so I believe cryptocurrency is the answer. I believe it's, it's right there for everybody to see decentralization. Let's let this fiat-based system roll out. Let's just leave it alone. Let's not start any wars to try and maintain it. Let's just keep printing. Let them do their thing. And then uh, I think naturally people are going to migrate over to uh, the crypto economy. when they. See I see that too. When they see the host of benefits that come with being able to uh, just have alternatives 
mm-hmm. to fiat. Um, I think I think once people experience those benefits, they're they're not going to want to look back. I I mean I'm already there, <laughs> and I'm I'm really excited to explain to you what I'm doing. Uh, but but I'm pretty much I'm pretty much all in, and I'm never I'm never going to go back. I get a I get a bird's eye point of view of our whole system, the way it functions. And I feel really sorry for people that have uh, that have no idea that this exists, this technology exists. And um, I'm really excited to help people discover it. But I do feel sorry that for people that are still tired, tied to this banking system. And this comes from a place of experience. You've been putting into practice what people uh, could do to take more sovereignty over their money um, for a couple of years now. And what, what are some of the, what are some of the highlights for you? What are some of the big ahas and uh, really impractical steps that people can take? Yeah. So um, cryptocurrency is not just buying a coin waiting for it to go up 10x and selling it because really all you're doing is you have to think about you have to change your way of thinking what are you doing you're actually getting more fiat so you're you're still committed to this fiat based system but i am not i i've I've sort of gone beyond that and i've given up on the fiat based system and the way i've done that is there are um a lot of apps actually that are trying to become crypto banks and so there is no such thing yet because congress won't allow it but there are banks that are working with cryptocurrency startups to be able to issue you and i with an account and we can earn a reasonable rate of interest on that account uh right now i'm using an app called Apple where i'm earning eight percent on my um on my dollar deposits and that dollar deposit is you know through a stable coin uh, the stable coins are many of them there's usdc uh there's tether but tethers that, that's not us regulated um true usd pax usd um and and so you could actually put your money, which is sitting in your bank right now, let's just call it a thousand bucks, and you could put it into Abra and you can earn a rate of 8% compounded interest. So basically after a year, you should be able to, you're, you should have more than $1,080 at 8% interest. I mean, you compare that with your bank right now, which is more than likely paying everybody 0.15% interest which when you factor in inflation, which is around four to 5% right now, is essentially a four to 5% tax. Uh, I, I mean, that's really the-, the You're the, still the, losing purchasing power. You're losing purchasing power, at least when you're putting it into these crypto apps, you're earning money, right? But then people are like, okay, so I'm earning a 80 USD coin. It's not like I could go to the store and buy you know, 80 USD coin. And it's just like, oh no, but you can. Oh, but you can. <laughs> they okay. have. This is where it gets good. They have um, debit cards where you could spend your cryptocurrency into the real economy. And I use this, I, I've ditched my credit card now. 
um, and I only use this. You use this exclusively. It, wow. It's basically accepted anywhere that uh, Visa is accepted, which last I checked this pretty much everywhere. And, and so, so these these transactions, you need to go buy some groceries. Okay, you need to run down to the store and get some milk. Yes. So you buy the milk using this debit card, yes. and that transaction is taken out of your crypto holdings. Specifically, the way I have, so this is Coinbase. So I explained to everybody that I have Abra, where I earn the yield. You can't do that with uh, Coinbase. But Coinbase does give me the bridge into the real economy. So what I do is, let's go back to my example of having $1,000 in, in Abra, right? Now where I'm earning interest. I could then take... After a year, I'll just say, hmm, that 80 bucks that I have stored in there, I'm just going to take it and I'm going to send it to my Coinbase account. And I'm going to put specifically on USDC because that's what this card um, is. It accepts without any fees. You could spend your Bitcoin. You could spend other cryptos. But USDC, if you spend that, you have no fees and you don't have to worry about the volatility of, uh, of the coin. So... I then transfer that interest to this account. I go to the store and I buy my milk. I buy my eggs. I buy my gas for my car. And I'm buying it with the interest that I earned in my Abra account. Now, a lot of people say, uh, okay, well, where is Abra getting this money? And that's what people have to do their own research. I go with Abra because every Friday their CEO has a YouTube channel. He answers everybody's questions. He's answered my questions more than once. Um, he, he, the, the way his business model works is that he works with a bank called Prime Trust, uh, Abra does. And um, when you open up an Abra interest account, you're actually opening up an account with Prime Trust. And Prime Trust then takes that money and they you know, loan it out to hedge funds. They loan it out to entrepreneurs that, that want to get into the crypto space that want to buy a mining rig for example that they can't go to wells fargo bank of america because bank of america would turn them away though the big banks will they don't want any competition and, they, and they're scared of crypto so they go to so prime trust has been able to be, basically say hey come with us bring us your money and we'll give you a return and and so the way that they make sure that these uh institutions these hedge funds and these people pay their loans without defaulting they make sure they have the equal amount of collateral to back it up in case they've defaulted so if they did default on the loans they go after the collateral and they continue to pay us as as interest account holders and this in my opinion is actually more safe than our traditional system it's not fdic insured which a lot of people will be like oh well that's it that's enough for me to not be in it yeah but you have to you have to think about that for a second because banks are they're actually hmm. not so it's your, your account is 250,000 up to 250,000 dollars FDIC insured but there isn't enough money in the FDIC to insure all that all the money in our system they've already admitted that and the big banks are allowed to spend money they don't have but in in the form of derivatives but there are no derivatives with cryptocurrency. One US dollar in one USDC is always going to be one US dollar without a derivative. And so in my opinion, and it's backed by the blockchain, in my opinion, it's, it's a more secure system than anything they, these big banks could ever dream of. Now, uh, I, I'm obviously very much into it. I have 95% of my money into it. Um, I'm, I'm earning interest. I'm spending that interest. I'm free as a bird. 
and, and I feel really bad for people that are having to see gas prices go up, avocados go up, and their wages are not going up. And so they're actually losing purchasing power. But this is a way that you can combat it yourself. You use the crypto technology. Um, yeah. I, but, but So we, you, you, you've explained how people can actually earn a, earn a yield by holding their cryptos and their money. You, they can even convert their fiat money to cryptos. But to hold their cryptos in a sort of uh, pool like Abra and other um, similar companies, and and now with that increased bargaining power, Abra can go and make strategic investment in the crypto space. They can borrow against those assets, which is what it sounds like they do. Mm-hmm. So they they actually um, they. They, they secure their holdings by borrowing against him, right? Yep. Okay. They actually have a feature in the app that allows the user to do that too. You could actually borrow money against your crypto and they will allow it. Really starts to become like their own bank. Because this that's is what banks have what traditionally done. Yeah. That's essentially what they're, you're doing. You're becoming your own bank. Uh, it's, it's, it's so amazing. And like I said, I get to now be a part of that. And I'm looking back at the system. I see people going, withdrawing money from their ATMs. And don't get me wrong, I'm still doing that. I still have a checking account. I still have direct deposit going. Uh, But I think that's going to change. I think all of that's going to change once, uh, you know, crypto banks like Abra have checking and all that stuff and all those features. I'm pretty much going to kiss my big bank goodbye. And you're already spending money in the economy. You're spending crypto, sorry, you're spending crypto in the real economy. I am spending, yes, crypto into the real economy. Now, um, Coinbase card is perhaps the um, the preeminent crypto debit card in the U.S., but there are more out there, aren't there? Yeah, there are. There's quite a few, actually. There's the Crypto.com card. There's... Um... Binance card, which is actually a pretty good one too. Um, and then there's going to be more on the pipeline. Um, once Abra, the, the crypto bank I'm going with, once they get their own debit card, I, I will probably exclusively just move towards them um, and, and probably not use this one anymore. Okay. Since, I, since I have most of my, um, my money, my liquid money with them. Anyways. Just now, Michael, Michael Saylor talks about, um, about accumulating enough crypto so that way you can live off the interest. Uh, yeah, I haven't gotten there yet, but I'm also not a billionaire. <laughs> and I don't it's think pretty easy to do when you're a billionaire. Huh? Is. Yeah, so, so good for Michael Saylor. But, but yeah, essentially... Um, I, I'm I'm living off not living off the interest, but the interest is helping me out a lot. It is. It's it's essentially where inflation is is kicking in and hitting these prices. With this technology, I'm actually beating inflation, so it's making it even more cheaper to me. And so that's why I feel really bad for people that have not discovered this yet. Yeah. Uh, again, but there there is. I don't want to get anybody. Um, 
I'm not going to give out any investment advice here because I still don't understand what, how Bitcoin and other blockchains will behave if there is a fiat deflationary cycle like we experienced in 2008. Um, I don't think we're going to go there again. If that happened again, I think uh, it would be so much worse than 2008. People are even saying it would be worse than the Great Depression. Uh, so I, I don't think any policymakers or I don't think anybody. <laughs> so in in um, in wargaming this out, how would you see a deflationary fiat cycle? I mean, the simplest. The simplest is if the Federal Reserve stopped their hundred whatever it is, a hundred billion dollars a month, eighty billion dollars a month of issuing debt through one door and buying it through the other door. If they stop that and they in, raised interest rates. That would kill the economy immediately. That would be, boom, done. Like a lot of the, um, a lot of these businesses and even corporations are relying on this these low interest to get the money flowing, get the cheap, easy money flowing. But if that stopped, well, everybody suddenly con contracts. They get they get protective, and the whole economy just sinks. Um, but right now they're keeping it alive by artificially keeping it alive. And so um, I, I don't think they're going to stop that. There's a lot of people that think they, they can and they will, and they're going to have to, but they could keep this inflation ball rolling um, with crypto and people can protect themselves with crypto. And that way the government does what it needs to do. Um, and people can continue, you know, protecting themselves with, with the cryptocurrency and not have to riot and, um, and people jump into crypto and, you know, at different depths of the pool. I know that there's a lot of people that consider it a hedge against fiat and the inflation thereof. Um, and then there's those of us who are, you know, all in on it and try not to hold any fiat or as little fiat as possible. Yeah. Well, there's still going to be a need for, for fiat. Um, uh, we'll see how this evolves. But uh, so I have about 70% of my uh, crypto holdings in USDC. That's, that, that's money that doesn't move. It's pegged to the dollar. Yes, the dollar is getting devalued. But if it's getting, getting devalued at 4 to 5% and I'm making 8% interest, that's actually still a benefit to, to stay into fiat. Now, uh, Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, I, I do have, I do have some, um, that's the other 30%. Uh, they, you know, they're volatile and, and they go up, they shoot up and then they come back down. Um, but can you denominate your expenditures on that card in any token other than USDC? You can, uh, the, the thing about the benefits of using USDC is that if you, if you want to spend Bitcoin on this card, you can, but the Bitcoin is going to be converted automatically to USDC to make that purchase. At whatever then, value the Bitcoin is that moment, right? Right. It's what it's what the value is at that moment. And you're going to pay a conversion fee. It's not very much, but let's just say it's like 1%. So if you have $100 worth of Bitcoin that you want to uh, use, you're going to be paying $1 in the conversion fee. Uh, but you're still with this card, I should say, you're actually earning rewards 
do uh, by by purchasing uh stuff with your crypto too that's another amazing benefit of this what are the rewards like uh for this one in particular is four percent you can get four percent back in stellar lumens four percent back in graph um one percent in bitcoin ethereum and dogecoin is it all of the above or just one of those just you get to choose one of them at a time and honestly i know people are like oh i'm just going to go with the one percent ethereum or one percent bitcoin and i'm like just go with the four percent stellar and then convert your stellar into bitcoin you're still getting more because four percent it's going to yield you more bitcoin um it's it's anyways that's a different topic but (laughs) up to four percent you thought this through pretty thoroughly yeah 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 i'm trying to help people (laughs) um does your uh does your wife or does it do any of your family members have a coinbase card yet you know, I've tried to recruit them, but I think this is all very overwhelming for them. And they just they just don't feel like they're in a place where they want to learn something new. And really, if you think about it, that's a good problem to have. But for the for people like that are going to be feeling the effects of inflation, that are going to be frustrated, they're going to start looking for all the other alternatives. They will. It's it's going to it's going to be inevitable because their you know well being depends on it. Yeah. And so I think uh, as as more and more time goes by, as we start experiencing more and more inflation and uh, people realize they can't rely on their policymakers, um, they can't rely on they can't they don't trust the big banks and the politicians. Um, I think there are going to be more people that are going to be gravitating towards this technology. So this is really about becoming more self-reliant, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Self-reliant, secure. I mean, the fact that I have the majority of my money in this thing right here, I mean, and, and here's the thing. So people will say, well, if you lose your phone, you're, you're going to lose all your funds. That's not true because your crypto is backed up by a, most cryptos are backed up by a, a 12 digit um, passphrase that only you know. So if you can memorize that or you have that written down someplace, uh, someplace secure, you can lose this phone your home can blow up in flames i hope that doesn't happen but it seems to be a very real possibility for anybody living in california these days uh and you don't have to lose everything you could just go and activate a new phone you remember your phrase you type that in when you download the abra app and boom there's your funds again and it's all protected by the blockchain it's all in the name crypto it's It's all in the name it's all encrypted Yeah. yeah information to the naked human eye it looks like gobbledygook but uh to the machine you know readers it it all makes sense yeah and it can keep track of things like what your 12 word seed phrase is yeah what um you know in the future we're gonna have a lot more smart contracts taking over from traditional paper contracts Mm -hmm. and the cool thing about these is they're self-executing in a lot of cases. You don't have to go to you don't have to go to an arbitrator, or mediator, or a court, or you know some kind of intermediary to enforce the execution of the agreement. The code does it for you. That's right. That's why so they if, call them smart contracts. Or yeah. In the case of Ethereum. But, so but if yeah. you want to get a loan, all you do is you create a smart contract for the loan 
you can denominate that loan in um, a range of cryptocurrencies and all the you know repayment terms the principal and interest everything is built right into the contract gets automatically taken out of your wallet um, probably a wallet in some kind of escrow account but yeah I mean the code itself has so much power to overtake um, things that we traditionally relied on human intermediaries to do for us mm -hmm. programmable money it's it's the way of the future it's um, a solution to so many problems that we have in our fiat monetary system yeah and programmable money protected by the blockchain and that's decentralized it, it just really does not you're not going to have a better i mean this is really the best um money that human beings have ever invented um and it and it's been the most empowering self-empowering tool in my lifetime i mean I, i'd imagine in any human being's lifetime really yeah and i i want to echo your sentiment to not get left behind by this stuff the lion's share of the rewards are going to accrue to the first adopters in this space and um we're, we're nowhere near a saturation point where everybody is using crypto transacting in crypto buying their milk and eggs and paying for their gas mm -hmm. um in their everyday life so you know don't wait get in now yeah you'd have you have to learn some new concepts mm -hmm. there is a learning curve but that's the price of self-reliance exactly exactly and you know to to speak to that point there are risks right we hear about that story of of some business manager forgetting his pat see his seed phrase his passphrase yeah. and he's got a hundred million a hundred million dollars worth of bitcoin locked up and now that bitcoin's lost forever yeah that's terrifying to a lot of people that's why you got to be responsible you can write it down someplace, put it someplace safe. You could even engrave it in like a piece of metal so that it could never burn. Go outside in the wilderness someplace and, and bury it and nowhere at all. Just tell. And you've them. always got a backup copy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but there, there are ways around that. But yeah, it's this technology is going to be new. Um, there's a lot of people that are not going to be able to understand it. But like I said, as, as this fiat monetary system, it's not going to die overnight, but it is dying. I mean, it's been dying for the last hundred years and it's going to continue dying according to a lot of the experts. Uh, so it's really going to, I think that's going to really push people into the, into the technology. Um, and it's going to force, you know, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a kind of uncomfortable learning something new is always uncomfortable, but once you're in it, you're going to look back and you're going to see, you're going it's to be very empowering. Yeah, it's it's very much empowering. And we're seeing governments embrace it more and more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, it'll it still remains to be seen what um, everybody all eyes are on the uh, the United States because, you know, the US dollar is the world's reserve currency, whatever the US says goes and and I'm not pushing any political agenda. There are uh, you know, progressive people on both the Democrats and Republicans that want to see this advance. But then there are also dinosaurs that want to, you know, keep us on this old failing system. Um, 
and and so they're they're on they're on both parties and so it should it should be interesting to see the way regulation comes about but the more regulation the more it's going to hurt crypto the less regulation the more it's going to um allow it to expand and do what it needs to do so that's um, a thing to keep an eye on I'm, I'm sure you're uh keeping an eye on what's going on in miami um and even wisconsin you know wisconsin has the uh, Cardano Summit. Oh, I didn't hear about that. Good yeah. for Oh, Sorry, I, I said Wisconsin. I meant Wyoming. Wyoming is... Um, Wyoming's pretty at the curve on its um, crypto policies. They've done some really interesting things to enable crypto to be able to flourish within that state. And it's become model legislation for other states. I would encourage you to look into it. Um, they have a senator who I've been following. I forgot her name, um, but she she was one of the progressive ones. Uh, progressive in this technology, that is. Um, I forgot her name, but I, I was following. So it doesn't surprise me that uh, Wyoming would be one of the states that would support this. Good for them. Yeah. Um, in Miami, um, they... Um, so what they're going to do they haven't passed anything yet to my knowledge but what they're going to do is they're going to specific and they're going to make it so um you don't have to basically pay taxes on the things that you buy using their city coin interesting so, so now they're incentivizing you to use a locally based coin with savings on taxes. So it's an interesting reversal on yeah. the punitive uh, tax policies of governments in the past. Yeah, and it should be interesting um, to see how the federal re government responds to that. But um, that that is that is actually very interesting. I bet you it's going to help Miami in the long run to do that. I do too. And, and I think we're going to see more of it. Too. And as as localities, as states, as regions, as localities take back their power, which is afforded to them in the Constitution, um, the country is going to become more decentralized, just by its very nature. And I think that that is ultimately going to undermine the overreach and, and, and the power that we've come to expect from the federal government. Yeah, um, I also don't expect them to just sit back on the sidelines. Uh, True. And I don't, same with the big banks. The big banks are, are very, very powerful. Um, so it remains to be seen what they're going to do, I think. But I, but they cannot kill this technology. They, it's decentralized. They, there's no way to kill it. But they could scare us and scare big, you know, deep pockets to holding it, uh, which could cause a significant price drop. And then we, there is a correlation between a price drop and then people like backing out of the technology. I'll just tell you this though: if the price does drop, I'm buying. <laughs> yeah buying no matter what 
because I, I, I could see through all of this right here, but it will, uh, it, they can impact adoption. They can't kill the technology, but they can impact uh, how quickly it's adopted and who adopts it. So and they use they, they use the lever of fear to do yes. that. Yes, yes, that's kind of like what you explained what China was doing. China's banned mm -hmm. Bitcoin six times, and you're right. You can only ban it once before you <laughs> just doesn't work, and you're gonna have to keep banning it. Yeah. So. At some point, people are going to realize that all the bannings don't add up to, you know what? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's code. Crypto is code. You can't stop code. It's going to do what it's designed to do. And all they you know, all they really do is try to get it off at its, um, you know, this is like exchanges and, and make you fearful that you're going to lose everything. Yeah. Yeah. So when I, I, I don't read any crypto news um, daily. Uh, the, the limited amount of news that does come across my desk, you know, when they're saying it's time to be afraid, then I know, like you were suggesting, it's time to buy. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, China's the reality is almost okay. always the opposite of the hype headlines, and it's worked out so far. Yeah, it has. Well, I thought this was a productive discussion. Is there any, uh, any closing thoughts you have about how people can be, empower themselves by uh, looking into, embracing, and getting into crypto? Yeah, if there's one thing that this... Um this interview has done. And, and I hope the key takeaway is that people um, look at this technology and, and understand it and embrace it uh, for themselves and, you know, be able to take a, a leap of faith. And I'm not telling people to buy Bitcoin and, and just sit on it and whatever I'm taking, I'm telling people to really see, um, just take it, take it seriously uh, because the uh, inflation, I don't think is going to get any better. Um, for people, it's gonna life is gonna get a lot harder, but it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to. And for people that are going to be experiencing inflation, we all are in the future. Um, there is an alternative, uh, and and um, just when that time comes, just know that there is that alternative for them. Mike and I love helping people wrap their minds around crypto and and get into it at a practical level. Um, if anybody would like to get some help from us, you can email us at info at cryptopian.org and one of us will, will get in touch with you and see how we can help. So uh, Mike, it's been a really great conversation today. I look forward to our next one. Hope you enjoy the rest of that, this beautiful day we've got mm -hmm. and we'll see you on the next episode. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Tyler. Always great talking to you. Likewise. Mm -hmm. All right. Thanks, everybody.